Welcome to Grace this weekend. Thanks for being here. As uh, Pastor Jeff just mentioned, my name's Ryan, one of the teaching pastors here, and I would love to meet you. If maybe we haven't met yet, maybe hear how you made your way to Grace. And I just want to say thanks so much for being here today. If you're here in the room, thanks for being here. If you're at our Montrose location, thanks for being there as well. Or if you've just tuned in online, uh, thanks for showing up there. And I'm excited to walk us into this next conversation, kind of this next series, Here and Now. And as we started to talk about a little bit, our, our big premise with this is that there's, if there's a long-term vision in mind, there's something that, that I'm kind of wanting to become or wanting to develop in my life, but I want to see something happen in my lifetime or over a kind of a, a series of years, then what has to happen is I have to start in the here and now and work on real opportunities that kind of carve a path towards that outcome. And we all know that, but right, there's kind of a disconnect that often I won't see the connection between what's happening today and where that's going to lead me in the future, right? Or if I'm viewing something long-term, how does that actually show up in what I do right here and right now? And so for some examples would show up, if I want in 10 years from now to be in shape, I, I better try to kind of answer the question, how am I going to have a nutrition plan or a workout plan that's going to lead me towards that kind of outcome over time? If I want to learn a different language, right, if I want to communicate differently with people, what's going to be the tool or the mentor or the class that I'm going to take advantage of? What are the opportunities, the tools that I can jump into to get towards that outcome? How am I going to do that? If I want to be debt-free, I got to stop and say, okay, well, like, where am I financially? How do I get a hold of my situation and start kind of plotting towards that outcome? And we know this, that the reality is we don't always readily see the connection between what I do today and where I go long-term. And sometimes there's a disconnect kind of between those two things. I was thinking about this this week, and it reminded me of a conversation I had with a friend in college. Uh, we, were, we were kind of having this deep conversation, and I was just pouring out my heart uh, to one of my, one of my best friends and just kind of unloading on him about this vision I had for my marriage. Like, I was like, man, well, someday I'm going to get married, and I'm going to marry Lori, and it's going to be amazing. And here's all of the amazing reasons why we're going to have this awesome impact as a couple together. It's going to be phenomenal. We're, we're going to be crazy about each other. I can't wait, right? This is like where it's all headed. And I go off on this huge rant to him and just tell him all these things that are kind of in my heart about my romantic future, you know, how it's all going to look. And then I kind of just stopped and, and looked at him, and I was like, what do you think, man? And, and he just kind of looked at me like I was an idiot. And, and he said, I think you should ask her out. <laughs> right? And I was like, you're a good friend, man. Thanks a lot. Like, I should probably actually get started on that whole thing. And that, that's just how it works. There, there's this thing in our mind, and we think, I can't wait to be there. It's going to be amazing. But what, what often fails to happen is that I connect it to the here and now actual decisions and opportunities that I jump into. And, and my argument would be this, that, that the clearer the picture is of, of what I want to aim at and what I long to see God do in my heart and in my life, uh, probably the more that the opportunities right in front of me start to pop. And usually I'm going to be able to see, oh, this really does matter because this is going to put me on a path where I can start to move towards that outcome and towards that goal. And that never matters more than in our relationship with Christ and in our kind of impact in the world. 
So if you, if you would look at your life and say, man, I really want to be a person of faith. I, I want to like live it all the way, and I want to be the real deal. When, when I'm older, when I'm down the road in years, I want to be a person who is filled with joy. I, I want to be wise. I want to be somebody that's actually really helpful to other people. And I want to make an investment into other people. Maybe you'd be somebody that'd say, I want to make a deep impact into a few people. Man, if I could just see a few lives really deeply changed, I would feel like my life really mattered. Or maybe you're somebody that says, I, I, want, to, if, I want to affect hundreds or thousands of people. Right? If you have that vision in your heart or your mind, say, I want my life to really matter. I want to really bring change to people and have God use me in that way. Then, then there's all kinds of opportunities, and, and we, they're going to show up in ways we don't always readily see. Uh, for example, one of the things we're going to talk about and really dive into it in the conversation today is we're going to talk about the opportunity that we have to invest in kids. See, because if you have a desire to see lives changed, then, then really ch- children, kids, right, they're going to grow up and, and be young men and men and women very, very quickly. And we have an unbelievable opportunity all around us, especially here at Grace, to make a very deep impact and connect with kids. And as they start to take on faith and grow into uh, maturity and adulthood, and they're going to be the ones that kind of run everything, right? They're going to be the ones that run our world in just a very short couple of years, right? 10 or 20 years from now, uh, they're going to be the ones kind of running the show. Unbelievable opportunity to do that. And what we want to do to really get the gravity of how important it is that we invest in kind of the next generation, invest into kids, I want us to start by looking really at a, a cautionary tale that's going to show up in the Old Testament. So back in the Old Testament, we're going to look at this passage in a second, uh, one of the things you see is generations of people and how they affect each other over time. So we're going to look at one of those today in the book of Judges. I'm going to read through this passage with us, and then we'll come back and, and kind of talk through it. Judges chapter 2, verses 10 through 12. Uh, here's what the author says. It says, after that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who neither knew the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. goes on, then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals. They forsook the Lord, the God of their ancestors, who had brought them out of Egypt. They followed and worshipped various gods of the peoples around them. Let me talk to this a little bit because we're kind of coming into the middle of a story. And to really appreciate what the author is saying here, you got to go back a couple hundred years really to this generation that he's talking about that has now passed away. So if you go back a couple hundred years, you kind of land with Moses. And if you're like me, if you didn't grow up in the church, uh, you might be vaguely familiar with Moses. He's, He's the guy that would help lead the nation of Israel out of being enslaved to the nation of Egypt. Right, and he would do that by kind of executing these plagues that God led him to execute, all the, the plagues that play out, if you've kind of seen some of those old movies of, of Moses doing that. And then he would lead the people through the Red Sea, right? and, and they would be delivered from the nation of Egypt. In Moses' day, the people that he led and the people that he loved and kind of the leaders of that generation, they saw unbelievable things. I mean, they literally walked through the Red Sea on dry ground with walls of water, Scripture said, right next to them. And he would have led about two million people through that process. They would have watched God supernaturally sustain them. 
give them food from heaven. Right? We'd open up a rock and water came out. I mean, just over and over and over, incredible things that this generation would see. Right? And, and they learned a little bit about how to trust and to follow God. Moses then kind of runs out his life, and then he's going to pass on the baton of faith and leadership to kind of his pro- protege, his, his, uh, the guy he's invested in, Joshua. And then Joshua, he's going to take this whole next generation and lead them into the promised land. So God promised Israel this land, this place that they could have as their very own, and Joshua is the guy that kind of got to break the seal on that. So they would have seen victory, God defeat nations in front of them as they take over this land that God had given them. Just incredible things all throughout Joshua's lifetime. That entire generation would have been filled with awe. If we could have surveyed them, what you would find is an imperfect people, just like always, all people of faith in this life are imperfect, but what you would find is a group of people that loved God like crazy. Uh, they were passionate about putting God first. They were fighting for it, man. And they would have said, yeah, we, we are fixed on who God is, and we want God to be kind of at the center of our hearts and the center of our lives. Now, here's the fascinating part. One generation later, it's all gone. All of that faith and all of that wonder and all that intentionality that Moses and Joshua fostered literally evaporated before their eyes as this next generation pops up and Judges tells us that they didn't know God and they didn't know what God had done for Israel. He didn't know what he he had done for them historically. And so what they did is they turned to false gods they started worshiping idols. And, and literally, they forsook the Lord. They left him. They abandoned him. Right? The God of their ancestors, the one who had, had rescued them out of slavery, and, and they started to worship and to follow the gods of the people around them. Why this is a cautionary tale and why it's so important is because every generation stands at the potential risk of losing the, the kind of the, the process of passing their faith on to the next generation, it can literally evaporate. And we can be at the highest heights of faith, and then in 20 years, 10 years, it's gone. If we're not intentional about helping the next generation kind of lock onto and to discover the faith that we've found. It's fascinating how this works. Now, later in time, people in the Old Testament would look back on these days, the days of the judges, and say, in essence, we never want to go there again. And there's very specific reasons for this. If you've never read the book of Judges, you absolutely have to read it. It is the most disturbing book of the Bible you will ever read. I mean, as you read it, you think, I cannot believe this is in the Bible. It's crazy. Uh, now you're intrigued, and you're going to go read it, right? If you read the last four chapters of judges, what you find is people doing things that you're like, I I, I can't even imagine that these people could ever be called God's people. They're doing horrific and evil things. How did they lose track of this, right? So as time passed, they knew, the Israelites knew that this had played out, that, that, that the people in the era of judges lost track of the faith, and they said, we never want to do that again. 
We're going to be fighting to make sure that the next generation gets a hold of the faith that's so critical to us. And so here's what you would see later in the book of Psalms is a good example. Psalm 78, verses 1 through 3. Here's the psalmist says this, My people, hear my teaching. Right? Listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth with a parable. I will utter hidden things, things from of old, things we have heard and known, things our ancestors have told us. What you hear right away is this, this passion that, remember, our ancestors got serious about passing this thing on. They were intentional about it, and they picked up that conviction and that passion. Here's another example, Psalm 71. Even when I'm old and gray, do not forsake me, my God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who are to come. And what you have is an aging person here that's writing this psalm, and they're saying, he's saying, God, uh, before I die, it's not give me a couple more years so I can enjoy a little bit more fun retirement. What, what he's consumed by is a passion He's looking at the next generation. He's looking at the kids in his life saying, I have to make sure they know. I want to tell them more. I want them to completely understand who God is and what he has done and why our faith is absolutely critical. What you see happening in these people is that there's a conviction that's being formed. It's not just a, oh, if we get to that, that's great, it becomes an absolute passion. And I think this is the same conviction that we want to build. I've said it this way. We want to form a conviction to help the next generation discover the faith that we have found. We want to have a burden for this. To say, I want to facilitate and help be a part of helping that next generation, the kids in our lives, discover this faith. Because I, I have a... I know that, that you have a story. If you know Jesus today, you somehow came to know Christ. Uh, maybe you were raised in a family that really helped that be easy and simple, and it made sense to you when you were young, and you made a real decision to follow Christ. And if that's your story, I would look at you and say, that's awesome. What a great story to be able to have. It's a legacy, and it's a beautiful thing. Some of you, it wasn't quite that easy or simple. Uh, maybe you just needed to ask some more questions, or you needed to doubt a little bit, you needed to push on your faith and see, is this the real deal or not? And, and my guess is that you needed some environments to do that, and you needed some relationships to be able to play off of and interact with some adults or older people in your life who could lead you to help you discover your faith, All right? Not just shove it down your throat, but give you some space to really work it out and wrestle through and become a person of faith kind of on your own. That conviction and that burden is the, a big part of the calling for us as a church. And so we, we know that for that to happen well, to give kids room to be able to discover the faith that we have found for followers of Jesus, that we need both the church and kind of the organized activities of the church, and we also need our faith to show up kind of in our everyday lives, in our family room, in, in kind of how we lead and work and interact with each other in our extended families, and et cetera. But it all has to work together. We need each other in the process to help raise up the next generation. 
In order to talk to us a little bit more about this, I wanted to invite a special guest to talk to us about this today. And uh, there is nobody that I can think of who is more qualified to talk to us about investing into kids. Uh, Christy Keir has an absolute passion and has been doing this for a long, long time, investing into children, and she has a great vision for them. I've known Christy for uh, almost 20 years now. She's been our staff for 18 years, have an enormous amount of respect for her as a leader and as a developer of children into faithful people. And so she's going to talk to us a little bit about how this works at the church level. Would you join me in bringing her up, Miss Christy Keir? Well, thank you guys so much. I am excited to be with you today. My name is Christy here. I'm the director of children's ministry here at the Bath Campus. I have been on staff for 18 years, but only because they hired me when I was five. So I started, I started young. That's why I'm still so young today. But um, uh, no, I have a huge passion for kids. And um, I'm what Jeff refers to as an original. So I actually grew up here at Grace Church before it was Grace Church. And so I've been here since the very beginning. Um, and I've seen what God has done over almost about two decades. We're almost 20 years old. And so I've got a front row seat of just lives that have changed and things that have happened um, over the years. I'm most passionate about kids. If you talk to me for more than probably two minutes, you, you will catch on to that. But it's because I firmly believe that kids can make a decision to follow Jesus at a young age and that that can stick with them. In Power Kids, our goal is for kids to build a firm foundation on God's word so that as they grow up, as they face middle school and high school, and as they become adults, they can um, go back to that foundation that they've built on God's word and go back to that relationship, continue that relationship, continue growing as they get older. We see that as a huge important thing. Um, I've actually seen an entire generation grow up here at Grace Church. So the kids that were babies when we started this church are now adults. And so these kids that I had in twos and threes and I taught in elementary school and I cried when they moved to middle school because I was going to miss them in Power Kids, um, they're now adults. And I've seen them come back and get involved in the church. They're leading in our Power Kids. They're leading in different areas. They're leading on this stage even today. And um, it's a powerful thing to get to see that happen in the life of a child when we invest in them when they're young. So when Pastor Ryan talks about these two generations, about Moses and Joshua and just what was happening there, and then for what was happening in Judges to have so quickly passed away, when I look at that through my passion, the very first thing that I see is they didn't tell their kids. They didn't somehow share their faith with their kids, that their kids got it and got a hold of it and wanted to continue it on. Something somewhere fell apart. So what we want to do is look at that today, and we want to use the book of Psalms to do that. I love the book of Psalms. Psalms, when you read through the different chapters, you see so many different things. Some authors are just pouring out their heart like it's a, a diary or a journal or a prayer to God, and you get to be a part of seeing that and reading through that. Some are poems, just beautiful words and ways to just praise our God and our Creator. And some of them are songs. So they would put um, words to music so that they could memorize it. They didn't have physical copies of the Bible like we do today or on our iPhones. So they actually would put 
words to music so that they could learn it and memorize it and repeat it because they knew that it was important. I don't know if your family is anything like my family, but we love music. I have a lot of nieces and nephews. They are the absolute joy of my life. And when we are together, we listen to music. If we're in the car, we're listening to music. If we're out and about, I will just randomly blurt out songs, you know, oftentimes just changing the lyrics to apply to whatever situation is happening. Anything I can do to get a laugh out of them or to embarrass them if I can or embarrass myself if I can. But music is an important part of who we are. And so the psalm we're going to look at today is actually a song that was written. It was so important for them to know it that they wrote it down. So it's Psalm chapter 78. Ryan started it for us. The first three verses, um, the very first phrase is, listen up, pay attention. This is really important stuff. It starts out telling you that, that you need to pay attention. And then it immediately goes to what we need to know from the things of old, from the things that our ancestors taught us. This is important stuff. And then we're going to pick up here in verse 4. Psalm chapter 78, verse 4 says this, These things of old, we will not hide them from their descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonders he has done. They knew how important it was to tell the next generation. What were they going to tell them? The praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, the powerful things that they had heard about, the powerful things that they had seen themselves, the wonders that God had done in and around them. The rest of this chapter, it's a long chapter. I'm not going to read the whole thing to you today, but I really encourage you to read through it today or this week sometime. And look, it shows you story after story, event after event, thing after thing of these praiseworthy deeds of the Lord that they had seen at that that time, of the power of the wonders that he had done. The next couple verses kind of walk us through why you would do that. Why would we tell the next generation? If you look at verses 5 through 7, it says this, He decreed statues for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach their children. Why did he do that? So the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born. And they, in turn, would tell their children. It was so important to tell the next generation so that they would know it, so that they wouldn't forget it. It would become so a part of their life that they would already be excited to tell their children, people who hadn't even been born yet. And then verse 7 ends this way. Then they would put their trust in God. They would not forget his deeds. They would keep his commands. This is why it's important to tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of God. This is why we want them to see his power, to see the wonders that he has done, so that he, they will keep his commands. They won't, they won't forget it. When I teach the gospel to kids, I always explain to them what faith is. Faith is simply believing without seeing. And so to explain that to them, I always, I always ask them two questions. I'll say, um, raise your hand if you were alive 2,000 years ago, right? Raise, raise your hand if you were alive 2,000 years ago. If this were a room of kids, at least 10 of you would have your hands up right now, right? Like, kids are like, yeah, uh-huh, I was alive 2,000 years ago. No, you were not. You were not alive 2,000 years ago. You did not exist when Jesus lived on this earth. You did not see with your own eyes Jesus die on the cross. You did not see him to three days later, come back to life. You didn't see that with your own eyes. Faith is believing that that happened even though you didn't see it yourself. Then I always ask them, you know, how many of you have a video footage 
of Jesus on the cross, proof that it, it happened for sure. Not, not someone reenacting it, but, but real, the real footage, right? No, they, don't, they never raise their hand for that one. They don't, they don't have that, right? That's what faith is. So what happened is a generation did see that with their eyes. And those people, some of them wrote it down, and probably most of them made sure to tell the next generation. And that news of Jesus, the gospel, transferred from generation to generation until someone told you, until someone told me, whether that was someone in your family or someone in your life, someone at church, someone loved you enough to share that news with you. That is how it is passed down from generation to generation, the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord. Not only just what God has done in the past, but then also what he's done currently in our lives, how God is working in your lives. Kids love to hear those things. It's important for them to hear those. It helps it make it real to them and for you to help it make it real to them. One of my favorite stories over the years of seeing just a praiseworthy deed of God, something powerful, something wonderful, happened a few years ago at junior camp. And junior camp is where we take our elementary kids away for the week and we bring our high school students as the counselors. And so this particular year, I was walking at junior camp, and this counselor and this camper just came running at me. Like, they were far off. They started running when they saw me. And so when someone starts running at you, and like the look on their face, I was filled with anticipation of what was about to happen, because either something awesome just happened, and like, spiritual, or someone had just got attacked by a bear, and I needed to prepare myself for what was going to happen, right? But by the time they got to me, I'm filled with anticipation, almost stepping back, excited for what's going to happen, and this counselor runs up and just blurts out, she wants to follow Jesus, you know, and I'm, I'm so excited that it's not the bear, and so excited that it's Jesus, that I look right at the camper, and I just immediately start celebrating with her. That's so wonderful. It's so awesome. I'm so proud of you. What a wonderful thing. And then I just pause for a minute and look back at the counselor, look back at the camper, because I really don't know what's happening. And so this camper, or the counselor, looks at me and says, I don't know what to do. <laughs> She was so excited to talk to this camper about Jesus and so excited that she was ready to make that decision to follow him, but she didn't feel like she had the power to be the one to, to, to finish it. And I wasn't about to steal that joy from her. And so I looked at her, I said, yes, yes, you do know what to do. You can do this. And so the three of us knelt down and this counselor led this camper to the Lord and she did it through sobs, she did it through imperfect words, but she did it. And this camper, through tears, prayed to God and invited him into her life. And it's just this snapshot. It's this picture that I will forever, forever keep in my mind of these two lives that changed right there in front of me. This one, this camper, moving from death to life and deciding to follow Jesus. And this one, this counselor, just her life changed forever that she knew she had the power to share Jesus with someone and walk them through that whole experience. That is what life is about. It's about telling the next generation. It's about being a part of these moments in these kids' lives that you know they will keep with them forever. That's what Power Kids is passionate about. We want to partner with families to tell the next generation about Jesus so that they will make it personal to themselves. 
That's why we're here every weekend, every service. That's why there's someone here to love your kids and to be a part of their story and your story. That's why we do things like camps. They're great investments for you to make for your kids or for any kid in your life, right? And that is why we have life groups. Life groups kick off tonight. It's a perfect opportunity for you to say, our family, we're going to commit to this. We're going to do this right here. Well, thank you guys so much for letting me be a part of your day today. I'm going to invite Pastor Ryan to come back up and walk us through how we can really take ownership of the spiritual development of the next generation. Let's give her a hand. Thank you. Well, I love that. I love what uh, Miss Chrissy shared with us today and, and just the impact that Power Kids is having on my life personally. Uh, I've got four kids, and uh, they're all either in Power Kids or making their way through Power Kids right now. And it's fascinating to me to watch them. And I don't know if it's because I didn't grow up in church, and so I didn't personally experience my faith developing kind of uh, as a child or even as a, a student. And so I'm, I'm curious how it works, you know? And so I'm always kind of watching my kids and seeing how are they forming the worldview and how are they making the connections? Like, and they come home from Power Kids and they tell me about what they learned. And they talk about their Power Kids teachers. And they come home from game day and they're talking about what the verses that they memorized in game day and, and what they think it means. And they'll ask me questions about it. And I'm watching it all play out and I'm like, I'm amazed that, that it takes the, an entire community of adults to invest into my children and the great privilege that I have to be a part of it. Like, what an amazing thing to be able to say my kids love going to church. Like, they would be here every second of every day if it was open. <laughs> they would just take advantage of all of it because it's an awesome opportunity. I love that. I love that we get to be a part of a church and a church family that values children and values kids at a deep, deep level. The, the thing is, though, it, it has to go beyond, like, I just take my kids to an event. If we actually want to see the next generation, if we want to see kids lock into their faith, develop a faith, it has to go beyond that. Uh, we, we really need to, what I would say in your notes, we need to take ownership for the spiritual development of the next generation. Uh, not, not just being a part of a community, but actually taking personal ownership and saying, this, this is my job. In, in some way, whatever I'm doing, I want to be a part of helping kids in my life, whether they live under my roof or they're part of my extended family, or they're just part of Grace Church or part of kind of the, the kids that are a part of your larger life if you work with children maybe in your, in your world. But to say, I want this to happen. I need this to happen. I'm taking ownership of it at a personal level. To be able to say that my faith isn't just mine, but it matters for other people and the investment in the next generation. And you said, Ryan, how do we do this? Like, this is a big conversation. How, how do I actually transfer that faith? I think we need to go all the way back to Moses. In Deuteronomy, this is Moses speaking. Deuteronomy 6, here's what he would say. Right? Talking to the Israelites, he said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. So these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Says, Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them in the door frames of your houses and on your gates. 
And Moses is going to look at this group of people and he's trying to teach them how to invest into and take ownership for the spiritual development of the next generation. He says, hey, here's job one. And if you say, I want to make an impact with my life, I, w- I actually want to see people's lives be affected and kids be changed uh, through my life. Job one for me, if I want to see that happen, is that I have to personally follow Jesus at a deeply committed level. That's what Moses is saying. He's saying, first, start here. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. As, as I, as an adult, say, I, I am personally going to follow Christ. I'm going to get his heart and his words into me, into my heart and into my mind, and I'm going to center my life around the things that matter to Jesus and his kingdom, and that this is who I'm going to be and what I'm going to be about. As I make that decision, and I do it imperfectly, but I fight for it, what is going to happen is out of the overflow of my relationship with Christ, that passion and that conviction and the things that I'm learning, the things I'm discovering in God's word and the the ways that it convicts me and even the ways that I fail are going to pour out into the lives of the people that surround me and some of those people are going to be kids. Right? As I kind of try to be the real deal, the kids in my life are going to be affected by that. That's the most powerful thing that we could possibly do is love Jesus with all that we have. And then if we take it one step further and say, I, I want to add intentionality to that. I, I want to not just follow Christ myself. I want to help the, the people around me connect with Christ. I want kids to understand that faith. I want them to understand the connection between my life and my heart and what's, what's God has said and kind of who he is. I want to connect the dots on purpose. When that starts to happen, it starts to get fun because kids are like sponges and they just take it all in. And I want to make sure as we look at a a passage like this that it kind of says, hey, make sure to get all this scripture in front of your kids and impress this onto them and talk about it constantly, be kind of obsessed with it. Here's what Moses is not saying, however. In how we do this, this does not mean that we are in preacher mode all the time. It doesn't mean that we're constantly shoving our faith down our kid's throat or down the throats of the kids that are all around us and condescending to them. In fact, I would, I would look at you and say it's the exact opposite of that. What we're often going to do if we're going to help kids actually get a hold of the faith that we have and form this conviction, develop them spiritually, what it means is we're going to meet them kind of where they are. They have concerns and burdens and questions that are real. And we, we want to hear them and kind of hear them on their level and interact with them and look them in the eye and listen to them and allow them to have doubts that we don't blow off because those are just childish questions. We want to engage them and and interact them for the little souls that they are, creating the image of God just like you and I are. And very, very quickly, they're going to be the ones who are kind of running the planet. And I want to interact with them with the dignity and the respect that God sees them with because he sees them as created in his image. This is huge. So Ryan, how does this like look in, in real life, in real time, in maybe the roles that we're in? I would look at you first and say, maybe if you're here at Grace and you're a part of things, if, you, if you're a Power Kids teacher, if you're a game day coach, if you volunteer for Bible camp, if you have an, a kind of a formal role that you jump in and out of, to serve kids here at Grace, let me first and foremost look at you and say, thank you. 
Like, thank you for taking your time and your energy and your attention and purposefully pouring it out into kids. It's absolutely huge. Like, it's, it's a massive thing. The Sunday school teachers that, that exist in our world today, I would argue, can find an enormous amount of joy through that role, especially over time. I ran into a lady last night after service. She stopped me. She had tears in her eyes and a cane in her hand. And she walked up to me with this huge smile on her face. And she said, I so enjoyed the conversation tonight. She said, I, I was reminded all over again of how this works, how important it is to invest in the next generation. She said, I was Christy Keir's Sunday school teacher. And she's beaming, right, with pride and joy. And she said, I remember being with her. She's telling me the stories of all these kids that she taught and how impacted, right, their lives are now there. They're taking what she gave them and multiplying that. And as I looked at her, I thought, you know what, there, there is no amount of money, no achievement, no degree, no amount of leisure could put that kind of joy into that woman's eyes like the joy of a transformed life. Man, she got it. She got the jackpot. <laughs> That's what I walked away with last night. So, so if you are investing in the grind of showing up and, and, and helping out and pitching in a little bit here and there is maybe how it feels, know that that is adding up to something profound over time. You might be leading the next Christy Keir. Maybe you're an aunt or an uncle. Maybe you're intentionally placed into a family or a kind of an expanded family where you get to be another man or woman in the life of this child who's not mom and dad, who maybe they could talk to about questions or look to you when things are tough. That role is huge. Uh, in fact, this is a great example. Uh, Christy herself is the best aunt that I know personally. I've never seen anybody make more time and intentionality for her nieces and nephews than she does. If you want to learn how to be an amazing aunt or uncle, I would even say, talk to Christy about kind of her plan, her intentionality about going after that. And you might be a student. You might be in high school right now, and you help out with kids, or you float around here in the hallways. Listen, if you're in high school right now, if you're in college right now, I'm just telling you, you can tell these kids anything, and they will listen and hang on every word that you say. My kids will do that. They will literally look at, and if you tell them something, and you listen to them, you treat them with respect, and you engage them, and you talk to them about Jesus, they will remember that. It's incredible. If you're a teacher or a coach, and you spend your life with kids, know this, that those investments will compound over time and create a legacy of lives that you have impacted. I still remember what coaches said to me 25 years ago. I remember conversations I had with teachers that marked me as a person. And if you take that influence and you're intentional with it, what could God do? It's incredible. And you, you might be a grandparent here. And I, I've talked to some of you who are grandparents, and sometimes I, we have conversations about, are, are my best days of impacting people beyond me? Are they past me? Can I still make a difference? And I just want you to know, it deeply saddens me that you have to ask that question because 
you should know, because we should tell you, that your impact and your personal example is so incredibly loud to the kids and the grandkids in your life. I watch the way my kids watch their grandparents. They're watching every move. They listen to their words and their attitudes and how they make decisions, and they are being formed by them. Your role is incredibly critical. Please never doubt that. I don't even know how I would parent my kids without kind of the the intentional other adults that are helping, pitching in, and providing another set of godly examples for who they are. And then, of course, there's us parents, right? You might be in the thick of raising kids like me, right in there, and in the thick of it, in the grind of it, we're running kids around and we're taxiing people or we're changing diapers or we're feeding people and running to grocery stores and running from sporting event to sporting event. And in the midst of all that, at least for me as a dad, it can, I can lose sight at times of the reality that a man and a woman is being formed right in front of my eyes and that that's kind of my, my primary job is to help them with that not to manage their chaos or to keep them busy and occupied or run them to activities. It's to help them form into men and women of faith. Because I'm, I'm just being honest here. I, I, feel, um, I feel inadequate sometimes as a parent. I didn't, I didn't grow up in church. I didn't watch a set of parents instill faith into me. And so I feel like I'm learning it all from scratch the whole way. And for me, the only place I know to land is to be super intentional about it. And I'm trying to help my kids know what I really want for them, you know. To land in a place where they know I love them and they know I care about them and they know what really matters to me. And here's what I would say for us, for us parents and probably for all of us. Right? Whether you're floating in the hallway at Grace or you're investing intentionally into kids' lives kind of in a purposeful way. Here is the primary thing that I think we want to transfer to the kids around us. This message, you ready? This is the most important thing I think we want to say. Our faith isn't something that we do. Our faith is who we are. It's huge. Church church isn't just something that we do sometimes. If it fits into the sports schedule... My, my faith isn't just an activity that I'm a part of. My faith has to go down to the very core of who I am. And I'm positive that our kids are looking and they're asking the question, mom and dad, teacher, coach, power kids, teacher, do you really believe it? Is this real for you? Or are we just part of a club going through some motions? I need to know and I need my kids to know that I'm so imperfect in this, and this is why my dad needs Jesus still. I want my kids to see the connections between how we make decisions and what we're trying to do and why we have the faith that we do, and this is why dad has to apologize sometimes because I'm still messing it up, and this is why dad needs Jesus. I need him to forgive me for my sins, not just in the past, but right here and right now, because our faith is who we are. Because I, I, I got to tell you, this is huge. And when I, when I look at my role as a parent, what I'm clinging to, 
what I'm holding on to is I don't really care what my kids do. I don't care how many degrees they get or how many trophies they win or what ACT scores they get. I don't care what they really accomplish at the end of the day. But man, I care a ton about the kind of men and women that they become, the kind of faith that they adopt, the kind of love that they exude. If they don't take on that kind of faith and something I can't even control, it's going to break my heart. I want them to know that. I want them to know your dad loves you. And I love you and will accept you no matter, and I want you to know the God that I know and love, and I want you to feel the passion behind it. I'm convinced that our best crack at helping our kids and the kids in our lives adopt our faith is is them hearing that. And our faith isn't just something we do, it's who we are. It's who we are. And dads, dads, you got to lead the way on this, right? Our primary role, dads, outside of walking around and turning a lot of lights off, (laughs) our primary role is, is to set the pace for this thing. To say, when it comes to our finances and our travel schedule and our activity schedule, I will be the one that sets the tone for where Jesus sits in the throne of our home. I will help define that and I will fight for that and I will not allow it to be lost track of, not on my watch. I will fight for your souls, literally, because I believe it, it's who I am. Guys, if we get somewhere in there, (laughs) that's all I know how to do. And I'll say this, um, if you're a parent and you've raised your kids and, I, and you're here and you're hearing this as, I, I wish I would have done some stuff different. A lot of times you talk to me about this. You say, Ryan, I wish I would have heard this 25 years ago, man. And you'll say it with a tear in your eye and say, is it too late? And I, I would just look at you and say a few things real quick. Please know, there's grace, claim it, take it. If you feel the need to have Christ forgive you in some area, take that, right? The grace is abundant. And I would say something maybe even more important to you. Do not allow your past regrets to cause you to hold back from leaning in to following Christ in trying to build relationship with your kids even today. They are watching you. I don't care if they're two or 22 or 42. They're watching your life. And when you think I can just make this decision, it's, not, it's my life, my kids are raised, they're good, stop it. That is not how it works. They are watching and if you follow Christ in your 60s, in your 70s, in your 80s, that will mark them for the rest of their days. They'll never forget your faithfulness, your grit, your courage to lean into Jesus all the way. As if we want to see lives changed, and if we want to see people altered, 
God would be so excited to use us like that. And the reality is the opportunities to get there, they're happening. They're right here. And it's playing out right now. We just have to take advantage of it. As the band comes out, we think, would you pray? Would you look at your priorities? And ask what we're really about at the deepest levels. Father, we, we come to you now just in awe. Lord, in awe of your greatness and your power. And you're so worthy to be worshipped, Lord. You are worthy of all of our time and our attention and our focus. And Lord, at least for me, God, forgive me for my distraction as a man and as a parent and as a pastor at times. Lord, I, I want to follow you. And we want that. And then, Lord, as you empower us to follow you, help us to let that pour out in real love, in real respect and transparency to invest into another generation. God, would you give us the courage to be the real deal, to let our, our faith affect us at the deepest levels. Lord, we declare to you today, we're going to build our lives around you and around your love. Meet us here, Lord, even now.